This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And good morning, beautiful people. Hopefully you're having a fantastic Louisiana Saturday morning. There we go. Can hear myself now. So we're going to go ahead and get this thing rolling on a pretty beautiful Saturday morning. Not like last Saturday where I said it was a beautiful Saturday. Then the second I took a quick time out, I wound up seeing and hearing nothing but the rain. Hopefully the rain can kind of subside a little bit for today. That way we can have a fantastic two hours of unfiltered sports talk. And of course, as always, we're coming to you live from the beautiful palatial and opulent game studios. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so, be it through 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Out in Lake Charles, and also our free mobile app, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. By the way, if you're on the desktop player, make sure you go leave us a chat. Make sure you chat us up on there, or you can chat us up the old-fashioned way. Just give us a call at 337-706-0111. Hopefully, you're having a good one today, because honestly, I really am. Is we got a big show planned, number one. Number two, it's Saturday. It's the weekend. Time to be in a good mood. So we're going to go ahead and get this thing started off with what's causing all of this. It's kind of a carryover from what we had last week. The big conversation that I think everybody was having was about the expansion, the conferences of college football expanding. And the one thing it's all about, And I think everybody here listening is going to agree with me when I say this. And we're going to get down to it right now because this is your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who testified? It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. The other day, I wound up spending some time reading some articles. And one that stood out to me the most was from a good friend of mine, and Ian Castleberry. Now he's part of Barrett Sports Media. We have had him on many times in the past talking about baseball, but now he's going more widespread, talking some college football and some more headlines and occasional columnist for that particular website. And the headline for the article read, In College Football Realignment? Do TV markets matter or do TV markets or do national brands matter more? And honestly, my answer is simple, succinct, and 110% the truth. It's all about the money. If you're the SEC, the Big Ten, or even the ACC to a slightly lesser extent, but there's still a big prominent name in this conversation. 
now obviously you don't turn the dial on this station to just hear me say that and move on and go to another headline. No, 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 no. You want me to pontificate. You turn your apps, your smart speakers, your radio dials, your volume up to hear me delve deeper into discussions like this. And that's exactly the way I'm going to do this. I'll gladly oblige because I'm that kind of guy. So let's go all the way back to last year, 2021, when this whole thing kind of began. Honestly, we've been talking about this stuff for the last five, six years. If we're being completely honest with each other, I have the records to prove it. Texas and Oklahoma became the first two dominoes to fall in this conversation about expansion. I can remember we had this conversation back in 2016, Cody Shoots, Whitney Hunter, and myself, back when we had the producers, if people remember that show, the five people that listened in. They did that almost solely because they care about the money. Do you remember the deal that was set in place with the four-letter network not too long ago where the SEC basically took all of the money possible? Because, again, those live TV rights, those play a pivotal role in negotiations. And that's a big reason why I think Texas and especially Oklahoma decided to go ahead and bounce and go somewhere else. And here's the thing. If you're any program worth your salt and have an established brand like a Texas and out Oklahoma, I guarantee you, you're going to jump on that thing like a damn trampoline. I can't say that otherwise. Seriously. Texas, who has the Longhorn Network, I think they were pretty willing to give that thing up because of the fact that they're going to be getting paid gobs and gobs and gobs of money to do that and probably make more money in the long run rather than having the Longhorn Network. Because of the bank they're going to be making because of this deal with the SEC. And they, they're going to see how much money is spread amongst the 14 schools that are there right now. You're adding two more schools. You're not kind of taking that much money from the LSUs and the Auburns of the world. Because it's all evenly distributed. It's all it's going to be distributed 16 ways. But you have the bigger deal that's going to be coming in place. Why the hell wouldn't you take this opportunity and run with it? And that's the same reason why USC just did the same exact thing. UCLA just did the same damn thing as Oklahoma and Texas. And it was the only weird thing about it is it's thrown a monkey wrench into the conversation that we've had. And you've heard me say it many a time about how I think college football should be regionalized. But USC and UCLA, they understand they want to move over to a place that's going to give them more notoriety and more name recognition than the Pac-12 because you move to the Big Ten, you'll be playing teams like Michigan and The Ohio State, Penn State University, the Nittany Lions. Would you rather that or would you rather stick around and just play the only team that's really going to be worth their salt in Oregon? Everybody else is kind of fair to middling. Even USC and UCLA, they're not great teams by any metric, but they have that name recognition where that writes their own paycheck. That's kind of where it's at in this entire conversation. The Pac-12 in the last decade has fallen off a damn cliff. And outside of Oregon, you have a like, next to no chance in hell of making a college football playoff if you're coming from there. You had that one time with Marcus Mariota running things. Outside of that, hasn't necessarily been that great of a time. And at the end of the day, what's going to get your conference more notoriety more eyes on your product 
being a consistent contender. That's where we're at in this world. You aren't going to wind up getting as much money from the pack because the Pac-12 network is kind of a hot mess after doing some research on it and how much they've they've probably lost on that deal. And they've got their rights deal coming up in 2024. I guarantee you that conversation, it's going to be a lot tougher for certain people like the Four Letter Network, Fox Sports, or whoever could take that. Hell, Peacock could very well kind of take over that and kind of link that up with their Notre Dame coverage. Now, that depends if Notre Dame's going to stay in independent or not. I think they're probably going to jump to the Big Ten because it fits them, especially in a geographic sense. But if the Pac-12, specifically in the world of college football, doesn't get its act together, it's going to be left behind by some of the other big three. Because that's where it kind of feels like it's headed. But I would not be surprised if the ACC kind of does a split north versus south to where it becomes a four-letter network and a Fox division or a conference, I should say, to where it's not a group of five, not a power five, it's a power two. But again, you have no real established brands outside of the Trojans, the Bruins, and the Ducks. So of course, you know they're aware they could probably get a whole lot more money through the Big Ten and their TV deal versus the Pac-12 and all their stuff. Again, the arms race is being dominated by the ACC, the SEC, and the Big Ten. And I think now, especially the Big Ten, it's starting to take shape and set things up really nicely. And again, UCLA and USC, they're going George Costanza. They're going the opposite of what I've talked about in terms of my hypothetical super conferences. Because again, I think there's an importance to having... You know, regionalization, make it like the territories back in the old wrestling days. There's an important thing to that. It's the fact that you can probably make more money if you have those in-state, in-area rivalries. But mind you, you have USC, UCLA. That's one of your biggest rivalries in the entire country, in my mind. Probably, I'd say, top five, top ten, easily. I think LSU, I think... Auburn, Alabama probably is in that top five. Once Texas and Texas A&M get back at it, I guarantee you that'll move up to a number, a top three in my book. I probably want to do a top five ranking of in-state rivalries a little bit later on in the program. Not this week, but in the future. But here's the thing. It's not just the fact that you have the Pac-12 falling off in terms of legacy. It's the fact that You go back two years ago, you remember, because I absolutely lambasted that conference, along with some other ones, about kind of playing chicken. They played, you remember that back in the day, you used to play a game of chicken and you lost. Because that's basically what happened to the Pac 12. They played chicken while everybody else stopped well ahead of time and decided, oh, hey, we're going to play football, COVID be damned. And they decided, oh, hey, we're better than everybody else. We're just going to play a shortened season. You know how much that shortened season helped you out? It didn't. It probably wound up hurting you a lot more. And when the 30 for 30 is done about the rise and fall of the Pac-12, that's going to be a moment on the timeline I think a lot of people are going to look at. Because the Pac-12 played chicken and lost. 
And I feel like once again, they're in that same situation. They're playing chicken, and now they're two biggest money makers, a lot like what we're seeing what we saw last season with Texas and Oklahoma going ahead and jumping ship over to the conference of Dixie for the Big 12. Now you're having to scramble. You're having to look like Joe Burrow under center for most of last season. Thankfully, he's got a better offensive line now, so hopefully he won't have to scramble nearly as much. And yes, they could get a BYU or a San Diego State or somebody else to kind of fit that mold to be able to maintain some some form of relevancy. But let's be honest, that's not nearly as sexy. It's like basically buying a Lambo and then trading that in to go get a Corolla. Like, nobody's doing that. Nobody's making that big of a downgrade unless they absolutely have to. The remnants of the Pac-12 might be making a super PAC, pun intended, to stay alive in this arms race with the PAC, with the Big 12 and maybe even the ACC because they have to stay alive in this conversation because if they don't, they could be falling to the wayside very, very quickly because this is a money-making machine the likes of which we have never really seen all that much before. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. We got Julian Council, host of the Locked on Panthers podcast, coming up at the bottom of the hour. But let me tell you about something we got coming up in about a little more than a week away. SEC Media Days. It is talking season right around the corner. And starting Monday, July 18th, we've got not one but two Shows going out to Atlanta to the ATL with RP3 and company and Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh broadcasting live and in living color from the College Football Hall of Fame. And again, this is live from SEC Media Day cover Media Days, excuse me, presented by Borderline Ford Furniture. So not only will RP3 and Matt be broadcasting live over in the ATL. They'll also be providing live updates every single day on Footnotes and the Jordy Holtberg Show. So kick off the 2022 season in Atlanta with the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And a little side note, I want to mention to Raymond last night the fact that AW is actually going to be in the greater Atlanta area out in Duluth, about a 30-minute drive from where they're kind of posted up at, I'd say, you know, Maybe you go check it that out. Make it a team building exercise. Go catch some wrestling. R e s s l i n s wrestling. Gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And by the way, we're your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. You're not in the upside down. You're on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. And let me tell you something. If you haven't entered in 
and joined our new text club. We have a new one. We'll have to change it a few things. Kind of had, had to make some changes due to some requirements. And it's more the fact that now it's a new number. The same text club with the same great prizes and everything else that we'll have up for grabs there. But make sure you join our text club today. And if you're driving, just hand it over to your passenger or just make a middle note and join the text club as soon as you reach your destination. And text GAME to 337-288-8100. That's 337-288-8100. That's all you have to do. You can join our brand new text club and text GAME to 337-288-8100 and you'll win, wait for it, a brand new Apple Watch. How about that? And not only that, not only will you have a chance to win an Apple Watch, you'll have a chance to win some fantastic great prizes like Astros tickets, concert tickets, and so, so much more. And seriously, all you got to do is text four letters to seven digits, or ten actually because you got the area code in there. And that's game to 337-288-8100. It's the Game Text Club. You can find out more information at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Julian Council, he'll be joining the program in about 10 minutes. Talking about probably the biggest story in the NFL this week, and that is the Carolina Panthers trading for one Baker Mayfield. Definitely an interesting story. We'll be talking with him about that and more. So keep it locked right here. If you want to call us up, 337-706-0111. And I want to kind of take the thread that we started off the show with and go a different direction because we went more about the straight up and down, the linear path about the power fives. Because at the end of the, end of the day, that's where the conversation's been lying within the conversations of expansion it's always been about those five conferences or the merging or whatever because there's a lot of stuff going on with so we're going to go ahead and go into a different thread and go more on the group of five side of things because i think the question that we're going to be asking in the next couple years is where does the group of five stand in this quote-unquote arms race the expansion wars i'm going to call it going forward because I wouldn't be surprised, it's been a theory a lot of us have posited over the last couple of years, is what happens to these, what we're going to call the Power Five in the here and now. Does they Do they break off and do their own thing? And does the USC-UCLA continue to push that narrative where the Big Ten and the SEC decide, hey, we're the big dogs, let's go ahead and do a little fusion dance, break off from all of our other things, and make some changes? That's kind of my million-dollar question in all this. What happens to these group of five programs, like the Sun Belt Conference, like Conference USA, which, mind you, Conference USA, I think, could fall to the wayside anyways, and not anybody really would really blink an eye, right? Mind you, I think La Tech would, and we'll save that conversation for the end of the show. So you've got that. And then you've also got a conversation that I think we need to have about, again, where do those teams, where do those conferences go if we see the big boys break off? Because they're not going to be having any tag-alongs. And how much is that going to affect the future of college athletics? 
because now it's going to be the it's going to be the def- definition of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. If we want to be honest with it, because the SEC, the Big Ten, they have those big time deals with the Four Letter Network and and Fox respectively. And you can about imagine the pot gets a little bit sweeter if you're the Big Ten and you add in USC and UCLA. Sure, you have to deal with some Big Ten after dark, which sounds like a cursed statement to begin with. But now you have to start thinking about what happens to the little guy. Those little guys basically almost have, I'm not going to say it's a handshake agreement, but it feels like it, where they have a handful of nationally televised games. They've got their Thursday night matchups, their Tuesdays, and maybe an occasional Wednesday or even a a Friday matchup, which makes you damn near want to vomit in my mouth because Friday nights should be dedicated solely to high school football outside of Black Friday. And maybe do the Black Friday games early in the day and just call it from there. There there should not be a Friday night game for a group of five conference because that should be dedicated to high school football. That's how your weekend – that's how I've always, like, imagined a weekend is Friday night, you got high school football. Saturday, you've got college football, and then Sunday you get the NFL. That is a perfect weekend. You don't want to sully that by putting, you know, the Raging Cajuns on a Friday night against App State on the road in beautiful Boone, North Carolina, when it's, like, pouring rain all over the place in late November, early December, actually. Nobody asks for that. But the question I have is, does this kind of cause the group of fives to dissolve or better yet kind of try and form up and basically take the best of the best of the best and try and make something work because again some programs won't be able to be sustained if you don't have those tv deals and i think a lot of them there's probably i'd say a good 60 percent of those smaller group of five teams and heck even in some cases fcs programs We didn't even bring them into the conversation, which is why I think personally these power fives or power threes, I guess you could call it that because I think it's ACC, Big 12, no, excuse me, Big 10, and the SEC are your leaders in the clubhouse. But it's why I think, and I've said it a lot on this show, I think that college football and college sports in general needs to at least consider the idea of promotion and relegation, stealing an idea from the Champions League, Premier League, all that stuff, stealing stuff from across the pond with soccer and make promotion and relegation a thing within college football. Now, how do you do that, you ask? Well, I'll tell you how you do that, and it's really simple. You have brother and sister conferences basically you've got big brother in sec big 10 acc then you've got and i'm just using those three conferences because in the hypothetical world that's the three they're probably going to be left the big 10 the sec and the acc i could be wrong but let's just go with those three just for the sake of conversation now we take the three i would think most prominent conferences in the group of five, the Mac, the Sun Belt, and that's no bias. I think it's factual because you look at the quality of teams in the Sun Belt, I guarantee you, you can't find much better than the Sun Belt Conference. 
outside of the American Athletic Conference. But those three teams, and you have the Sun Belt pair up with the SEC, because you already kind of have that partnership with your officiating. Now you kind of flip the conversation over. And I think that's where you kind of have that conversation about it. The Sun Belt pairs with the SEC, and then you got the ACC pair with the AAC, and then the MAC pairs up with the Big Ten. And you have that setup of promotion and relegation. You can merge up some conferences, some group of five teams to put them together to make the MAC work. Hell, put Boise State in the MAC. I think that would be a cool idea. Or somewhere along those lines. And you have a system to where your top two teams from the little conference move up while the two bottom two teams, let's just say for the sake of conversation, hypothetically, you've got App State and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Purely hypothetical. Those two teams are your top two teams in the Sun Belt. Whoever winds up making out of there takes over the bottom two spots, which hypothetically, let's have fun with this, Vanderbilt and Kentucky. And hell, you could do it for an entire collegiate year, kind of go based off of rankings, and you come up with your own point system, a lot like what we see with different conferences. I think they call it in the Sun Belt the Bubas Cup. I'm probably mispronouncing that name. Yeah, they've got the Bubas Cup, which is basically it counts everything, every major sport for you know fall, winter, and spring, and whoever wins that gets that. But the top two teams in those rankings would move up. It'd be very complicated, but I think that might be the direction you want to go if you want to have the best of the best of the best play every single year rather than, oh, hey, 90% of the time, Vandy, Kentucky, and insert team here are always at the bottom, and it makes competition probably a lot better in the long run. I could be completely off base here, but that's the way I see it right here right now. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk with Julian Council. He's the host of the Locked on Panthers podcast. Obviously, that's the big headline of the week. Baker Mayfield being traded to the Carolina Panthers for next to nothing. So we'll talk about that, how it impacts the Panthers, and also get an idea of what they look like heading into the 2022-23 season. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. After all your problems during the week, it's finally the weekend. Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. That means you're getting more under the dome with CD right now. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, and it is definitely a hot one here in the Acadiana area, but I think there's only one thing that's hotter, and that's going to be the Houston Astros, the hottest team in baseball right now. You can see them live and in living color just by entering in our Astros Weekend Getaway. You'll be able to see them live take on the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, July 30th, and all you got to do is sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets 
a tour of Minute Maid Park and hotel accommodations for that night. Astros Weekend Getaways are, as always, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Lumberidian Houston downtown, and the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back. Now we're going to kind of flip the conversation over, talk a lot of college football in the first half hour. We're going to get to more of that in hour number two. But I want to kind of shift the conversation over to probably one of the biggest headlines of the week, and especially when it comes to the NFC South, which is what we focus on a lot here, because obviously we got the New Orleans Saints. We talk about them a lot here. But I think it's honestly time to kind of talk about those Carolina Panthers because they made a big trade going ahead and getting Baker Mayfield out of Cleveland for virtually nothing. They got next to nothing for somebody like Baker Mayfield. That's a huge win for a team that's trying to figure out their identity at quarterback. And to talk about it, we got to join, we got to get our guy, Julian Council, host of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Julian, how you doing, man? Good, Clint. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And I like how you put it on Twitter when you posted the link to the podcast about the emergency episode with Baker Mayfield, basically saying this felt inevitable because we were hearing rumors about this back in April heading into the NFL draft. Yeah, it almost happened on draft night there, day two on that Friday evening when the Panthers and Browns were close to coming to terms, but apparently they just couldn't figure out the contract numbers of how much the Browns wanted to pay, how much the Panthers wanted to pay, and instead Carolina traded up to get Matt Corral in the third round that evening. And there was a lot of thought after that that, hey, maybe the Panthers are just going to roll with Sam Darnold and Matt Corral. But Carolina talked about how they want to bring Matt Corral along slowly. He's also a third-round pick. So there wasn't true competition here in-house for Sam Darnold. P.J. Walker has been a solid backup the last two years, but he wasn't going to push to be the starting quarterback. So that kind of led you to believe that if they still need competition for Sam Darnold, then Baker Mayfield is the likely choice out there as he was on the outs in Cleveland and Jimmy Garoppolo not really an option because of his injury to his throwing shoulder there in San Francisco. So to me, it always felt inevitable that Carolina had to do something to find another quarterback that could go out there and give them a better chance to win in 2022. And that quarterback was very clearly Baker Mayfield, who now is a Carolina Panther. And how do you see that going with the quarterback battle that's going to be going down between you know, the, the Sam Darnold and, I mean, these guys, two guys were picked towards the top of the NFL draft a few years ago. It's not that long ago when you think about it. You have Sam Darnold, a guy that was picked towards the top by the New York Jets and very much fell apart very quickly. But then again, that seems like his typical Jets. And then you got Baker Mayfield, who felt like he had everything set up for a long-term run, but maybe was a little bit too cocky with the injury last season and felt like he could have played through it. Because I think if he hadn't, if he had just said, "All right, I'm done for the year. I'm gonna go ahead and focus on getting this healthy," I think he probably would still be right now a Cleveland Brown. Yeah, I don't know about that. That's that's interesting because you know a lot of times we as fans in the media, you know, complain about guys not playing through injuries. I mean, Julian Edelman was on a podcast recently talking about Jimmy Garoppolo not playing through an injury. So I, I would think it would be admirable that Baker Mayfield played through it throughout the entirety of last season considering just how we look at these guys as gladiators and we, you know, praise them for going out there and playing through these kind of injuries. I don't think that necessarily, I don't know how things would have panned out had he done that. I just have a hard time believing that that would have been looked at as a positive uh, for Baker. But as far as like the quarterback battle, and I'll put that in quotes goes, there's no battle here. Uh, The Panthers last year traded for Sam Darnold and still had 
Teddy Bridgewater on the, on the roster. They had no intention of starting Teddy Bridgewater in 2021 as they traded him away to Denver. The Panthers don't have any intention of starting Sam Darnold this year. They've been spending the entire offseason trying to find a way to replace this guy. They tried to get Deshaun Watson. That didn't work out. They even tried to call and get Russell Wilson. They went through the draft to find somebody and ended up on Matt Corral. And then even that night, they were trying to trade for Baker Mayfield. Baker's coming in here to be the starter week one against his former team, the Browns. And I don't see how Carolina could be able to sell to anybody out there in the fan base or across the Carolinas that, hey, Sam Darnold's still our starter, even though you brought in Baker Mayfield, who, if you look at the two, has been by far the better quarterback. And Sam Darnold, statistically, has been the worst starting quarterback over the four years that he's been in the NFL. You can't keep rolling with that guy when you have someone who at least has shown that he could be above average as a quarterback in the NFL and has gone on and won a playoff game in Cleveland, the dumpster fire of all dumpster fires in the National Football League. Talk right now with Julian Council, host of the Locked On Panthers podcast. He brought up the fact that these two teams are going to be facing off week one. We love how you know the NFL manages to figure out how to book really good matchups, especially in that first week of the season, stuff that has a little bit more kind of meat on the table. And we talked about how it felt inevitable, the rumors about it going back to the NFL draft where Baker was going to get traded. Did it feel like the NFL kind of already knew where this thing was going to go when they came up with the schedule? Uh, they certainly were betting on Carolina getting the deal done. I mean, last year, the first game of the season was uh, the Panthers and the Jets, and they were dubbing it as the same Darnold revenge game. I don't know if I really bought into that. There was no revenge. Darnold was terrible in New York, and the Jets had a brand-new GM who didn't draft him, a brand-new head coach, so they were right to move on from someone who then was physically the worst quarterback in the NFL through his three years starting in New York. So it wasn't really a revenge game, and Sam didn't really buy into it. That's going to be totally different this year. Baker Mayfield has always been someone with a chip on his shoulder. And it's hard to look at that when he's been the number one overall pick, when I was a Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma. But before then, he walked on at Texas Tech and got the starting job. Then Cliff Kingsbury you know, decided to start Davis Webb over him after Baker got injured, and Baker transferred to Oklahoma, walked on there, and was able to take on the starting job. But he's here because of that cockiness, because of that chip on his shoulder, that swagger. And I don't want any of that to change for Baker Mayfield to have success here in Carolina. So, yeah, it feels like the NFL is definitely betting on Carolina to get the job done, knowing that the Panthers had really no choice but to go out there and find another quarterback. And, again, as I said, it seemed the obvious choice was always being a Cleveland Browns quarterback or at least former Cleveland Browns quarterback, Baker Mayfield. And for those who don't haven't necessarily kept up with some of the offseason news and, more importantly, with what the Panthers have on tap in this 2022 season, looking at the offensive side, what kind of weapons – is Baker going to have, and how is he going to kind of mesh with these guys? Because obviously he's had great opportunities with some really solid offenses with Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, all those guys as part of the Browns in recent years. Now he's going to Carolina, where I know they've had a good bit of weapons over the last couple of years, just haven't necessarily been able to unlock their full potential. Yeah, I think the most important thing, uh, weapons aside, and we'll get to those in a minute, is the offensive line, which was among the worst in the NFL last season. They have Taylor Moten back, who has been a really good starter at right tackle, and they have four different starters now on the offensive line. Being able to protect Baker or Sam Darnold or whoever plays behind center this upcoming season is the most important thing for the Carolina Panthers. If they had two things they need to fix this offseason, find a new quarterback, fix the entirety of the offensive line. I think that they've done that successfully to this point. As far as weapons go, Christian McCaffrey, when he's healthy, is arguably the best running back in the National Football League. The last time he was healthy, he had the 1,000-1,000 season back in 2019. That's only happened three times. Him, Roger Craig, Marshall Falk, a guy who's in Canton. So if McCaffrey can be healthy, that should help out Baker Mayfield. 
DJ Moore, been one of the most underrated wide receivers the last couple of seasons in the NFL, has never had a quarterback. And people would still argue he still doesn't have one. Now the Baker Mayfield's here in Carolina, but this is probably the best one he's had since the first half of 2018 Cam Newton before his shoulder fell apart later in the latter half of that season. So with DJ Moore back, Terrace Marshall, LSU guy, he's now healthy, apparently looked really good throughout the OTA management minicamp portion. We'll see if that can carry over into the season. And Robbie Anderson had a career year back in 2020 with Teddy Bridgewater. Then last season had a lot of issues, and he's been a guy who's been vocal about how he didn't want Baker. Then he's tried to walk it back and say that he was was defending Sam Darnold. He's just someone who just needs to shut up and play football and bounce back from last season. If he can do that, and adding Rashard Higgins, who was with Baker in Cleveland, the Panthers should have a pretty good amount array of weapons outside for Baker Mayfield to have success in this offense. Talk right now with Julian Council, host of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Flipping over the defensive side of the football, obviously that's that was kind of an issue last year as well. What do you say about the defensive side of the football, especially when you compare it to the rest of the NFC South? Yeah, it wasn't an issue. I mean, through the first 13 weeks, they had a top 10 defense, and at times they were the top defense in the NFL. The issue was the offense not staying on the field and the defense wearing, uh, wearing down. Like injuries to the secondary, that didn't help. They, and then eventually, later on in the season, they were one of the worst teams against the run. So they were a really good unit. They have solid foundation, and Brian Burns is a pro bowler for the first time last year. They might lose, they lose this on already, but they should be able to be able to make up with that with guys like Frankie Lupu coming in, and they'll see how some of the younger guys can step up in that situation. Derek Brown, Utah Grosbatos, two of the top picks in the 2020 draft. It's their time to step on the, up on the defensive line. Jeremy Chin's been phenomenal for the Panthers the last two seasons. J.C. Horn back, hopefully healthy throughout the season, their first-round pick last season, and they bring back Dante Jackson. I feel good about where this defense can go. If they can, if they can get, if the offense can stay out on the field a normal amount of time and allow these guys to get proper rest, and they can get better injury luck this year, they should once again be a top-10, potentially top-five unit in the National Football League. How important is this season for Baker Mayfield now that he's part of a new team? And it kind of feels like with everything that happened last year, and all the doubters that are around him. And I know Baker's just going to have a huge chip on his shoulder, and that's probably what's going to help him excel in 2022. But how important is it? Because this feels like it's not a prove-it deal in terms of your contract, but it definitely like screams, this is your prove-it opportunity, and if you don't, you could probably be out of a job very soon. Well, yeah, I mean, this, he has no money guaranteed after the season. He's going to be a free agent coming up in 2023. So he's basically playing – for his career as a starting quarterback. And as we've seen, how things go nowadays, you can look at Baker, you can look at Sam Darnold, two guys who are on this roster. Or teams give up on quarterbacks very quickly. Miami this year, Tua Tungabailoa does not play at a high enough level. Now with um, Tyreek Hill there, the Dolphins are going to move on. And next year is considered to be a deep quarterback class with Bryce Young out of Alabama and C.J. Stroud. I'm not really buying into the Will Levis hype right now and all the other guys that they're trying to prop up, but we'll see how that plays out over the course of this upcoming college football season and what the evaluators think. But there's thought that maybe there could be five, six quarterbacks that go off the board in the first round next year, which means there's a lot of guys out there in the NFL who are starting this season who might not start next season, and Baker Mayfield is one of them. So he's playing for his career as far as being a starting quarterback. And also, just because of the personality he has, he might just be playing for his career, period, because I don't know how many teams are going to want Baker to be a backup because they're going to think, oh, he's going to come in the locker room, he's going to be a distraction, as that's the old NFL adage to not bring in a player who's – they'd rather have a Case Keenum or they'd rather have a Chase Daniel who are never going to be start, like, starting caliber quality guys. 
instead of having a Baker Mayfield who's at least gone and proven in the playoffs. So I guess Case Keenum's done that as well. So that he's really playing for his career at this point. And Sam Darnold, same case. If he's able to get out there on the field, somehow beats up Baker Mayfield, he's playing for his career. He might, he'll probably stick around to be a backup, even though he's proven he's a terrible quarterback. But guys like that, with uh, that kind of demeanor, get to stick around in the league, even though there's far more talented guys who get kicked out just because uh, teams can't buy into their personality. So, yeah, Baker certainly playing for his career this upcoming year here in Carolina. Julian, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother. All right. Take care, Clint. All right, that was Julian Council. Appreciate him joining the program. You can follow him on Twitter, just that simple, Julian, J-U-L-I-A-N, Council. You can follow him on Twitter over there. But a quick kind of footnote to end this segment, if you will. He was talking about Baker Mayfield and saying how maybe, you know, the injury, if he had, if he had, it was more admirably played through the injury. I got a counterpoint there. I feel like, and probably people who watched the Browns at one point during the season, especially after the injury that he suffered in week two, he did not have his throwing motion back ever again after that injury. That hurt him a ton. A ton. There's no way if you're the Cleveland Browns that you are going to keep him around if he isn't 100% you can tell that throwing motion, it was never the same for him. Because, it, yes, the, the labor injury he suffered was on his non-throwing, but you have him throwing in a sling, it messes with your motion. He should have just said, hey, I'm going to go have surgery, move on, kind of take this season and punt it. Because you probably could have stuck around in Cleveland and they wouldn't have had to go and make a deal with the devil and get Deshaun Watson, go get a what they call a real adult in the room, Whenever you got a guy who can't handle himself and like a professional when he's going to get massages. That's all I got to say about that. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll be back with more, including my Faith 5 picks to click for this weekend. So make sure you keep it locked right here to Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Live, get in on 104.1 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. So let's get to the Fave 5 picks to click and kind of recap last week because it was not, not a great week. Mind you, most weeks I usually hit 4 out of 5. This week it was more of a 3 out of 5 with an asterisk because Sean O'Malley basically got wiped because it was considered a push because it was a no contest. That's who I had in the UFC. So kind of recap. I had the Braves over the Reds at minus 180 last weekend, and the Braves won that. The Angels decided to go ahead and lose 9-1 to to the Astros, further proving a foot theory wrong. 
Minnesota Twins won last Saturday, and then Volkanovski won the main event. Sean O'Malley got a no contest, so I'm going to consider that three out of five. But this weekend, we're going all Major League Baseball because I don't normally try and mess with the UFC fight nights because I don't know a whole hell of a lot about the guys in those fights. But anyways, going to go ahead and start off with the Chicago White Sox, 110 first pitch. I'm going to go minus 170 for the White Sox money line against the Detroit Baseball Tigers. I'll go over nine runs scored between the Yankees and the Red Sox tonight at 615. The last couple games, high scoring affairs. So I think over nine, that's an easy pick to click there. Give me the Tampa Bay Rays over the Cincinnati Reds at 310 at minus 155. The Reds have always kind of burned me on more than one occasion, but I think the Rays are a little bit better in this matchup. 615 first pitch, San Diego Padres at the San Francisco Giants, or the Giants at the Padres, had it backwards there. Give me the Padres, minus 110. And then we close it out with an underdog pick. Colorado Rockies have won the last two games against the Diamondbacks. I think they go for three, and at 310, they'll get a win. Give me plus 105 there. And that all adds up in a nice little parlay for $5. Nets you a cool 95.59. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing if that one does indeed pay out. Trust me, I think my bank account would love that too. Hopefully you're enjoying the show so far. Hour one in the books. Hour two right around the corner. And we've got the power rankings. It's going to be back today. And there's been something I thought about, I think, a few days ago in conversations with people. And the question I have is top five high school teams in my lifetime. I'll give you my top five and also some honorable mentions next. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station.